Welcome to podcast number one, Base Talk with Hagen and Hayes. Today's topic, was this in your master plan? So Susan Hagen, was this in your master plan? Well, David Hayes, no. <laughs> yes and no. Um, my master plan originally was to become an orchestral bass player with a full-time orchestral job. Yes. And I mean, when I was in school, it's what I was told was really the only option. You know, that I was told there's no room for chamber players or soloists. No one wants to hear it anyway. Um, I was told not just by bass teachers, but by other teachers, no one will ever respect you unless you're in a major orchestra. Maybe not the top five, but mm. definitely in like a top 10 or 15 or else no one will respect you. Wow. And I worked with that understanding for many years and I would travel to auditions and think, is this where I have to live to be respected? <laughs> and then I thought, but whose respect am I looking for? I really need my respect, right? We all need to respect ourselves, the way we've lived our lives and the things that we've done. And I realized that I wanted to be in Boston. And so, no, mm -hmm. I totally, I totally changed from my original plan, 100%. I still play orchestrally, but it's not the only thing I do. And I don't have a full-time job with a major orchestra, but I have what I consider to be the ultimate success, which is happiness. Wow, that's a nice way of looking at it, isn't it? How about you? Well, I, I'm, I, I think I wanted to change the world, um, but then I realized that you can't change the world. However, <laughs> I thought I could change my part of it. And... I started playing the bass in 1974. And at that time, there really weren't many possibilities. You're either an orchestral player or a teacher. That was really it. There weren't many other possibilities. Right. Um, so I, I always thought I'd be an orchestral player. And then I went to the Royal College of Music and did so much orchestral playing and lots of orchestra playing outside. Uh, but just the more I did, the more I, I just thought, I don't think this is for me. And the older I become, I, I realized it was the right decision not to to do that because there are 10,000 others who can do it better than me and they would want to do it whereas it's not something I can do and I I I'd started teaching uh, during my last year at the Royal College of Music um, and then I, I I left and then I got another teaching job and I started getting some success with the students and then I got better uh, better students better jobs um, so I've always taught but it's, it's only ever been part of what I, I I've done I did want to start a publishing company. When I was at school, um, I'd seen York Edition and I'd seen all this music being, um, the new editions being made and uh, new pieces being written and people commissioning them. And I thought, why? I want part of that. But I had no idea how to do it. It was, it was so, when I look back, I think, what an idiot. Um, <laughs> because I, I just had, yeah, that's, that was my plan. And, um, and then in 1986, we started, you know, we just had some music typesets. And then what do you do with it? You know, you then got to try and uh, sell it to people. Um, so I, I, I think I've been lucky because I, I, I've i always had a thing called a portfolio career. I don't know if you have it in the mm. States. And I have four or five different jobs. Everything's to do with bass. Right. And I like the variety. I like the fact that I play and I teach and I publish and I organize bass events. And then I've added composition later in life age 53 i started composing right. so I, 
I, I sort of had a plan of wanting to change the world, um, but I, I think I can I managed to change my bit of the world. And I think so. For me, I think I think it, I found where I should be, um, and it, and I'm really happy where I am, because on the whole, I'm, I'm working with people like you, people I I, I love working with, um, and I've got many friends all over the world, and it's it's really nice because we all speak the same language, right. um, and it's really nice. But orchestral playing, I love orchestral music. I wow, there's nothing better, and it's only occasionally when I'll hear maybe Beethoven nine or something like that, and I think wow. I wish I was playing that. And that's only for a fleeting second. I think, no, 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 no. I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy not doing it. And have you always played in orchestra? Have you done that from the start? Yeah, I mean, when I when I started to play the bass, I was a piano player. I studied with my mom, who's a piano teacher. Hmm. And my sisters were both violinists. In fact, uh, one of them is a professional violinist still, and the other one is still a musician, um, as well as an artist. But they were in a youth orchestra and they said to me, this is so much fun. We go into Boston on the weekends and we play in what's now called the Boston Youth Symphony Orchestra. It was the greater Boston Youth Symphony Orchestra when I was a kid. Um, and they said, you really want to do this. You, you get to play with other kids. You're not just the only one. You know, our school was really low on the music end of the spectrum and we have yeah. professional every type of sports players have come out of our city but n not a lot of musicians so right. they said you know it's you're not the only kid anymore and so i thought well that sounds like fun and my mom said you know as a pianist unless you're an accompanist you're kind of playing alone so she thought it would be healthy for me so i then it came time to pick an instrument <laughs> And um, I I did try viola for a hot second, and wow, that's, yeah, it it was. You know what? Now as an adult, I realize I think I was probably holding it wrong, but from <laughs> my neck all the way down my left arm to my fingertips, felt like it was on fire. Did you know <laughs> I played the viola as well? No. Yes. Oh wow! I did that, that... before I played the bass. Isn't okay, that funny? See? We're two fallen violists. I know. I know. <laughs> If I hadn't been a, a bass player, I would have been a viola player. I loved the sound of it. I loved how rich and deep and dark it was. But when it was painful to play, I kind of thought, this isn't for me. So I think mine was painful for the teacher, to be honest. Not for <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yes, yeah, so I, I gave the viola back, and my sisters kept saying, but come on, Susan, you want to be in orchestra. That's going to be so much fun. And they were suggesting things like French horn and... English horn, which I, of course, thought were both the same thing, just from two different countries. I had no idea what they were talking about. And there was a bass in the house. So I said, you know, Dad played bass, and there's one of those. I want to try that. And everyone said, oh, how about the cello? And I was adamant that was, that was not the instrument I wanted. I wanted to try the bass. And I'm sure to this day it sounded like a dying cow, but I fell madly in love the second I put the bow to the strings. And I was sold. That was it. I was bitten by the bass bug, I call it. Um, so about a year later, I, I took the audition for the, <laughs> the youth orchestra. And, you know, I mean, at the time they were saying to the students, if you know any bass players, all they need is a pulse. We're desperate. And I thought, well, I have a pulse. So obviously <laughs> I'm going to get in. 
<laughs> and my mom warned me on the drive into the audition. She said, you know, you might need more than just a pulse. You probably won't get in. Don't be disappointed. She was bracing me for, you know, the inevitable disappointment. The first but, rejection. Um, yes. But amazingly enough, that they really did only need you to have a pulse. And I got in. So it was so much fun. Kids from all over New England, literally, even New York and New Jersey, which aren't technically part of New England, they would drive, they would fly into Boston for this. And it was so much fun. And I loved it. I didn't think I wanted to become a bass player professionally at that age. But um, I really loved it. And I could think of nothing more than I wanted to do. And of course, you know, at that time, it was quite a feat to be playing a piece like the Jolly Dutchman, which, mm. let's be honest, not exactly the most musically gratifying piece in the history of the world. So I didn't know that there was great literature out there. And now there's so much even so much more out there. Um, but yeah, it was it was orchestral for me straight away. And mm. I loved every minute of it. Yeah. So it, it's, it's funny. I started playing when I was uh, 14. Um, okay. And I, I always knew I was going to be in the arts. I always thought I was going to be um, an actor or producer or director and then music took over and that was really good um, and I played lots of it I, I told one of my students yesterday when I was at junior school I played recorder and guitar and she laughed oh I didn't think it was that funny uh, so, <laughs> recorder player um, yes I, I've no loss to the recorder world really um, and, and then I went to, to grammar school and then I started uh, percussion lessons and then I started euphonium and then viola, piano. And then when I was, I say, when I was 14, I, I took up the bass and that was it. Then I, I, I for some reason, um, I just knew that was the instrument I wanted to play. Mm -hmm. I didn't want anything else. And all the others dropped away one by one. Sure. And you were saying about when you first start playing, how it, how it sounds. And my dad once said to me, this is much later in life. And he said, when you used to practice, he said it used to sound like the, the QE2 coming into dock. No, break. that's yeah. what my mother said. No, it's not funny. And when I was tuning, even when I was in college, all <laughs> I would be doing is tuning and should be like, there comes the QE2. <laughs> it's not funny. So, <laughs> I had no wow. idea. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, that's, I knew I was going to be in music. And once, yeah. once I started playing the bass, that was it. And it's, it's been like that from age 14 up to my, my great age now. I've never wanted to do anything else. And I've loved it, really. And it, it's, 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 it's taken me, you know, I've played and, played and taught in, I think, about 20 countries over the years, many, many times. And, it's, and to work with so many fantastic people has been really nice. Well, you have, like, this contagious passion about bass and the instrument and the music and just the whole bass world. But, you know, you were saying you wanted to change the world. I think you've changed the bass world for sure with all of the different things between the teaching and the performing. But I think most um, noticeable across the pond over here is all the pieces you've written and published. That's changed American bass playing for sure. I mean, my students talk about, oh, you know, here's a piece by David Hayes. And if you've ever studied with Susan, you're going to hear a lot of this great music and they love it. And I, it's replaced. I my, yeah, can my students play some of my music as well. And I always say if they have to go for an audition or something, and sometimes they'll say, you know, why did you choose this piece? And I always say, always tell them to say, 
I didn't choose it. It was forced to go me by my teacher. He made me play, and I hate it. <laughs> and so you always get a laugh. Oh, that's it's, great. But oh. it was nice. I've, I've enjoyed doing it. I've enjoyed working with so many great composers. But I didn't know I, I had the ability to, to compose. That came later in life. So I always worked with many, many fantastic composers over the years, uh, which I still do. It, it's, it's such a privilege to, to, to know so many really wonderful composers. Um, and I've, I've enjoyed commissioning. I, I think by now it's over 750 pieces. Really. That's been, amazing. It's over 40 years. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not as though it's, it's in one year. It's, it's, it's been spread over 40 years. But I, I started in my, my first year at music college commissioning. Um, nice. And I, you know, I used to get student composers to write. Mm. And you know that they wrote some horrible pieces when oh, I looked yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because they're, they're trying out their own technique and trying yeah. out all their different ideas. And they're learning. And really, yeah. um, everything was, was on the E string. All four bases played oh. on E. Oh, oh, that sounds great. When I look back, it's, oh, wow. <laughs> so nowadays, they would go straight back to a composer if they did that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But that's how you learn as a commissioner as well as, you know, mm. over time. Now, how did you end up composing? How did that come to fruition? That, that was, oh, again, I was, I was talking to a people yesterday about this one. And there's a composer here. And on her website, she has a page uh, of failures. Because she said, you know, throughout life, we all have failures. You know, whether you apply for a job and don't get it, or you apply for funding and don't get it, or right. whatever. And I thought, what a great thing. So I, I wrote a blog called My Life as a Failure. And, <laughs> uh, and I started writing. And I, I'd applied for a job of Head of Strings at the Royal Birmingham Conservatoire of Music. Mm -hmm. And it must have been 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. Um, and I, I loved the application process. I loved mm -hmm. writing the, the application. I loved the interviews. I positive and really upbeat. And I got down to the last two. And the last two of us were viola and bass, which is really strange because usually it's violin or cello as head of strings. Right, right. Um, so it, it must have gone on on, on um, who we were, which I, I was really pleased with. And then ultimately I didn't get the job. Um, it went to, to Louise and, and rightly so. You know, she had more experience at teaching at conservatory level than me. Um, so had I got the job, I wouldn't have had any time. And then I was publishing some music by a composer who was writing... Um, I think is it postcards or a piece for um, I can't remember what they call. I don't know a piece for lots of friends, and mm. the piece named after the the bass player. Oh and yes, I thought, and I thought right, I'll, I'll maybe write a piece for each of my students, right. um, because I suddenly had the time, yeah. and I started writing. And and when you're older, you've got nothing to lose, so you you just do it. And I, I wrote these pieces, and the students seemed. Well, they're quite blasé, if I'm honest. As <laughs> most are. <laughs> uh, but other people seem to like the music. And then yeah. other bass players said, will you write me a piece? And, nice. you know, full of bravado. Of course I will. Yeah, of course <laughs> I'll write you a piece. And uh, and then, then Simon Garthier asked me to write uh, a piece for his competition in Spain, which all the young bass players had to play. This is uh, the Galicia uh, Graves. Uh, that was Sahara. Yeah, Galicia Graves. So I wrote yeah. Sahara. Nice. Um, which, which went really well. And um, it just just went from there. And and then, you know, sometimes I, I think one year at Wells, I only had two really advanced students. So we made a trio. Um, so I, I wrote some trios. Um, and then we had a, a junior bass ensemble 
Um, and so I, I started right at uh, Slavonic Dance Number One for a Czech program. Um, I did a piece in harmonics for Bert Derecki's 85th birthday concert. That's called A Place in New England. And then we did um, a Tarantella Napolitana. We did a Bottasini concert. Um, and there's nothing but young bass players by Bottasini. So okay. I, I wrote the Tarantella for them. Um, and I've, I've always written when there's a need to write. Sometimes I'll write a piece um, just because it comes, it just arrives. And I, you know, I've, I've written many pieces for you and you're very grateful for the commissions you've given me. Um, and I, I love writing. I, I love the process. I love the fact that you start with a blank piece of paper mm-hmm. and then a piece exists which didn't exist until you wrote it down. And I, I always say, I'm, I, you know, I'm not Mozart, I'm not Brahms. I'm just a, a bass player writing a few tunes. But I know when I send a piece out to you, I know it's the best I can do at that time. When I look back over the earlier pieces, I can see all the flaws and how I could do it better now. So it's, it's interesting. So I, I must have improved. Um, well, I don't you think most composers have that feeling, mm-hmm. you know, this is from their early stage of writing. But we, you and I both just discovered a piece that you had written, Moonwalk. <laughs> You'd written that in what, 2016 or so? That was so funny when, when I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had... I stumbled across it. It was something that you had sent me early on in our communication with each other. And I saw it and it was perfect for a student that was working on getting out of first position. And I thought, all right, I'm going to give this to this student. And so he played it in a masterclass for you a couple weeks ago. And I probably, in retrospect, should have given you a heads up on what each student was playing, but it just didn't occur to me in the moment. So he played it for you and and you were... (laughs) surprised by it but it's quite a nice piece and I have to tell you afterwards the students all started asking oh can I learn that piece I loved the way that sounded it was beautiful and the chords for the piano accompaniment are nice because they're kind of clustered together a little bit and so my jazz students at Berklee College of Music love that they were just oh it sounds so jazzy is it an added six I think yes which I like yes um and this was written for Miles, who was probably about 12 at the time. And mm-hmm. he just started and he was moving into to, uh, second position. And then I added some harmonics in fourth position, which yeah. is quite easy. And I'm, again, yeah. I'm still teaching. I had an email from him today. He's now in the Netherlands. Oh, wow. So since before lockdown, he's been having lessons on Zoom. That's great. It's it's so nice that, you know, after I don't know how many years, you know, he's still, still having lessons, which is yeah. nice. And then, but it was such a shock to hear it. Uh, I'd forgotten about it completely. And the other shock was, I actually quite liked it. I was, I was quite surprised. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great piece. It really is. It's not so bad. I, I took it in to my students last week, uh, just as a um, a tryout piece for some of the younger ones. And Good. they seemed to like it. And then I wrote a piece on Thursday. Um, I wrote, what did I write? What did I call it? I can't remember. Space Odyssey? Or is that in my head? Lost in space. Lost in space. space, That's right. And it's really simple, really simple, but just in first position. Mm -hmm. And it's mainly Arco, and it's sort of A minor with a flattened seven. Um, And it's really very simple, and it's and it has a feeling of 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 weightlessness. Um, It's again very simple, and it's it's the the right hand just just plays the same three notes over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. and then the left hand just has uh, single notes or chords. And there's a lot of repetition. I, I like repetition. And I, I like trying to hide the fact that you <laughs> repetition. 
Well, and it's great for, for the teacher because you don't have to have the best piano skills to be able to play along with the accompany the students, but it's which, which helpful. Is, which is me. I'm, I'm okay as an accompanist, but I'm, mm. I'm, I wouldn't class myself as a pianist. And I, so I would want to try and write something which is, is accessible for somebody with my pianistic skills. It's great. It's so helpful mm. for the students, though, to, to be able to play with an accompaniment. And I find at Berkeley, if I can have an easy-ish piano part, the other students at the school that play piano aren't afraid to, you know, jam with their buddy on it. It's not like, oh, I have to go practice this. You know, I was, <laughs> I had a student playing the chanson humor, no, sorry, the Kuzwitsky, um, humoresque. And yes. I had to really practice that piano part to be able to play it with the student. It's difficult, isn't it? It's yeah. hard. And yes. I thought, I don't know if I want to give him a piece like this anymore because I really have to practice the piano. <laughs> it was discouraging for me. It's like, oh God, I dreaded his lesson that next week. I was like, I have to be able to play this. Oh. <laughs> I had a student play that. And I, I, I think I was a one-handed one pianist if I was mm. lucky. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Really... Oh yeah, it's it's tricky. But you know, this is these are all sort of the the stops on the how did we get here and was this our plan type of situation and um we're did how... you plan to teach? Was that was that in your No, I mean if you had talked to me when I was in high school and you said what are you gonna do, my response was anything but music. My plan initially was not even to become a musician. I was gonna go to school for computer programming or business or marine biology. Oh yeah, there were a lot of options that I wanted to take or that I thought I wanted to take. But um, this is a thing I tell my students. My mom gave me the biggest gift ever. When I was a junior in high school, she said to me, shut your eyes and imagine yourself 10 years from now. You're truly happy and content. What are you doing? And then she said, because she knew me so well, even if that means you're just eating a hamburger at McDonald's or walking down the street with your friends, what are you doing that's bringing you the most joy? And I kept saying, like, sitting in a business class. And she's like, really? I'm like, oh, I'm taking a computer programming class. Like, I was trying to give her answers that I thought were the right answers. Yes. And she said, Susan, I need you to be honest. And I said, well, I'd be playing my bass. And right. I got... I felt bad. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, they had, they have a daughter who's an artist and a daughter who's a violinist. And I thought maybe I should be the daughter that goes and does something that will make me filthy rich. And I can give everyone all my money and support everybody and let them do everything they want. And my parents will have no wants or needs when they're older. And, but I just, my heart wasn't in any of those things. And so she, she looked at me and she sighed and she said, okay, then that's what you have to do and mm. we'll support you in any way that we can. That's and nice. that, nice. that was the biggest gift. Cause I think a lot of kids seek um, approval or they're afraid to make waves and say, Hey, I want to be a musician. I've had a lot of kids at Berkeley that come in their twenties and thirties. They've mm. become engineers or yes. scientists. And they're like, my heart wasn't in it. I always wanted to play my bass. Um, so I plan to be a bass player and both my parents are music teachers and, and very, beloved successful music teachers like the you'd go to the store and people would come running up to them saying hello not like you know everyone hid in a different aisle when they saw them coming everyone loved them and so 
I was around great music teachers, but right. I thought, mm -mm, this isn't for me. I'm scared of kids. I can't teach. I can't. And I didn't know if I was a good enough player to be criticizing someone else. Mm. Um, but when I was just finishing up graduate school, I had a friend who said to me, you know, Susan, you have kind of like a responsibility to share your thoughts, your way of playing the, the way you organized it and got to your level, you have to share that with, with the younger generation. And I thought, no, I don't. <laughs> I really didn't think I needed to. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, oh, well, maybe this would be smart. So I started to have like a private studio where students would come to my house. And it was fun and it was flexible and it was a little bit of a steady income, which was very, very yes. welcome when I first got out of school. Because, you know, when you first get out, you got to make a name for yourself before the gigs really start coming. And so you want to pay the bills. And it's funny because it started as something steady. And just last night I got home from teaching my last day of the semester at Berkeley College of Music. And my husband, Kevin, actually said to me, have you noticed that this is no longer a paycheck for you? You love doing this. And it morphed. I went from from being a little afraid of it um to coaching the youth orchestra that i used to be a part of and i would give sectionals and then you know i was on faculty at a couple of colleges in the boston area and then i got this job teaching at berkeley um as the lone classical bass player in the department there's 25 teachers in the bass department it's a huge department and it's me i am such a such an anomaly but it's so cool because i'm like the uptight rigid classical musician when i'm there but when i set a foot outside the building i'm like the cool laid-back classical player who gets to teach at berkeley so it's kind of a cool feeling um but i love it i love the teaching and like kevin pointed out it's enjoyable. I look forward to it. I love my students. Um, there's not even a single one this year that I was like, oh, thank God I'm getting paid to teach you. It was more like, oh, I'm getting paid to do this. This is crazy. I really enjoy it. Um, but it wasn't in my original plan because I kind of thought that a bass teacher would be someone who only taught bass and I didn't only want to teach. I wanted to perform. Um, so if you'd asked me when I was 18, my life would have been, I was playing in a major symphony orchestra, probably principal because that was my aim, and not teaching, not doing anything but playing orchestral music. And now, you know, I'm the principal of the Boston Pops Esplanade Orchestra, which is like the touring orchestra of the Boston yes. Pops. Yeah. Um, first female to have that seat, but I started off as the last bass player and just kind of practiced and shut my mouth and did my thing. I sub with the Boston Symphony, I teach, and now since the pandemic started, I've got kind of a solo career. So mm. all of these things are not at all what I initially expected, but they're better. I love it. I love the the flexibility. I love that I can play Simone Garcia's double bass concerto and the following week be recording a Shostakovich symphony with the Boston <laughs> Symphony. You know, it's like wildly different but so much fun and better than i imagined better than just playing my bass in an orchestra not that that's not great but i've got more well-rounded stuff going on and i really that's really fun for me 
I like the variety of my life. I like the fact I do lots of different things, which, I, as I say, all connected to the base. Right. But I, I started teaching. I was given two hours of teaching when I was still in the Royal College of Music. Mm. Uh, and it's a job I, I didn't even audition for. They just gave me, it wouldn't happen nowadays. So I just That's great. got this job. I, I, you know, they didn't know me from, from Adam. And I, I turned up, it was really quite a, a tough school um, mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. in West, West London. Um, and then from that, I was, got this other, other teaching job and then another teaching job. And, but I realized I'm a teacher and I absolutely yeah. love it. I love my students. And I love the fact that you can open eyes and ears and the yes. nice thing is, um, those eyes and ears can never be closed again. They right. can't go back to not knowing. Once you've you've given them the the knowledge, the bass is such a fantastic instrument, um, yes. and we have such great repertoire and so many great players, um, and so many great teachers. Then I I think it, it's yeah, and then hopefully we're um, producing the next generation of, of players and teachers, and yes. it's it's such a nice nice feeling that you have a bit of input in that but I, I love my teaching and I wow if you'd asked yeah if you'd asked me at 18 no chance I'm <laughs> me too the slightest. <laughs> um, and I, I just did it to earn money initially um because it, it brought in money in between concerts right, right. and that right. I enjoyed that but then I, I suddenly realized and then I started organizing workshops and then I started um you know it started doing quartets and duets and and things like right. that. And then it suddenly became more interesting Then I started arranging music. And then mm-hmm. 30 years later, I've been uh, composing music. Um, but I, I I didn't, I'm not sure what my master plan was, but it's worked out quite well. And I, I quite like where I am, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I think you're in such a great place, it's such a wonderful situation. And, and you make me think of my idea of what success is, which is are you happy? Do you wake up in the morning loving what you do? That's success. It's not having five million dollars in your bank account. It's having but it's just inner... as well because I haven't got five million dollars in my bank. <laughs> That's a good thing then. <laughs> but I, I, it's so funny. From the time I get, it's, it's horrible, really. From the time I get up to the time I go to bed, I'm passionate, passionate, yeah. enthusiastic about bass, just everything. Yeah. One of my directors of music, I, I once said, I, "I'm passionate." He said, "No, you're obsessional. It's not passion. It's obsession." <laughs> Obsession, and I thought well, it probably is actually. It doesn't change, and I, you know, my students, I think they just get so used to, so blasé that I'm always enthusiastic. It's very rare I'm not. You know, I walk in, and it doesn't matter what time of the day it is. I'm always, you know, it could be uh, six thirty in the morning, and I would still yeah. be me. I, right. I don't change. I think they may act blasé in front of you, but I, I get the feeling that your excitement permeates everyone around you. I know it does with me when we have our weekly visits. I always get off the call with you and I'm like, oh, that was great. And I have a million thoughts and ideas of things that I'm so excited about. Um, I'm so sorry. I needed more of that in my life. My, my students, what my boss at Berkeley said to me, I think you're the only person that I see. Every student walks out of the, your office. They say, thank you, have a great week. And they're smiling. He's like, what? What do you do in there that they enjoy their lessons and and i say well i just my hope is to fill them with even one tenth of the excitement and enthusiasm that i have yes i'm working them hard it could be boring it could be very sterile and let's work on this left hand technique thing but i try to make it fun so that they enjoy it and 
that seems to work. I don't know, but I enjoy it and they seem happy. <laughs> well, I've, I've met many of your students online. I'm looking forward to meeting them in person next year. Yes. Um, and they're a credit to you. And and it shows what you, you give to them because they have that spark as well. It's so lovely. It, it's so nice. Oh. And they all have, yeah, they, they were so, so respectful and so, so giving. And yeah, and, yeah, and it's nice. We, we can all work together in this. Yeah, I, I think it's great. And I think, I think everyone should keep in mind your initial plan, I suspect, is rarely what ends up happening in your life. But I also think that the right thing for you works out. If you do your work, the right opportunities will show up and present themselves. And you'll be in your 30s, 40s, 50s, heck, even in your 80s and 90s. And you think, yeah, I'm where I'm supposed to be. This is great. Exactly. Well, this is fun, David. We've got to do this again. And thank you, everybody, for listening to Base Talk with Hagen and Hayes. We hope you join us for our next episode. Take care, everyone. Bye.